0: ephesians chapter 6 and looking at verse 10 it says this finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil everybody say stand you may be able to stand against the wiles for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand there it is again in the evil day and having having done all to stand you got it stand therefore it is uh, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We'll stop right there. Let's pray. And ask the Lord to give us freedom in receiving His Word today. Jesus, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it is truth and it is light and it is it is life for each and every one of us. And mighty God, I just pray that You would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open our eyes to see, Lord, there's more to this world than what we see immediately around us. That, that God, there is a, there's a real God who has power and strength and victory and, and there is a real enemy of our souls and Lord I believe with all of my heart you desire for us to stand even in the midst of a wicked and an evil evil day we will be a victorious people and so I ask you bless us in this word today in Jesus name amen amen why don't you be seated right where you're at this is a this is a powerful powerful passage and I've, I've put together, you know, I've got a sentence. Uh, again, I try and come up with a one sentence summary, and this is this is what I want to share. This is what I believe in, uh, in, in the book of Ephesians. Uh, authentic revival will change everything in the heavens and on the earth. Authentic. Re- How many of you believe for an authentic revival, an authentic move of God? This is this is what we're going to deal with today. There was, uh, you know, we've been we've been looking at this. Our series is called Better Together, and we read our our theme verse. And we're I, I'm hoping that as we've gone through this series, you begin to realize how important it is for us to do life together. If COVID has taught me anything, I just I remember the first months we were doing drive-in services. We'd have people in their cars, and we would do online, but Boy, I missed laying hands on people. I, I missed hugging people. I, I missed uh, praying for people. You know, I, I, and, and, and there's just something. Even my wife and I were talking about, we always love to pull up church services online and we watch, you know, preachers and worship services that we enjoy. But there's something different. When you get together with people, when you worship together, when we open the Word together. And so I, I hope that's getting in your heart that you see the value of, of, of coming together and, and being a people together. But the reason that I'm, I'm also looking at Ephesus is I, I look at the history and what God did in this church. There was a mighty revival, and I've referenced a couple of verses here. It was such a profound uh, revival, such a mighty move of God that false worship was absolutely destroyed. It was the capital of pagan worship in that day. And God moved so mightily that, that literally the temple of Artemis, which was one of the ancient wonders of the world, it no longer stands. Because God moved so profoundly in that city that people came together, and you can read about it in Acts 19, that mighty move of God. People burned their witchcraft books. They, they, they got rid of their idols. In fact, I mean, there was a riot. And, and usually, by the way, that does come with revival. Anytime you see revival, you'll also see a riot. People aren't always happy about the move of God. But, uh, but it was incredible. You see how God began to move. And, and there's something. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in Acts chapter 19, and verse 10, it said, flowing out of this mighty revival, it said it went on for two years so that all Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Let me say that again. Everybody in Asia heard the word of the Lord in two years. Guys, there was a revival in one city amongst one body of believers. That was so profound. I mean, it would be a big deal if we could say two years from now, everybody on the big island has heard the gospel because of what God has done. This was bigger than that. It would be incredible. I mean, mind-boggling if we were able to say everybody in our nation has heard the gospel because of what God has done in Kona. But this was bigger than that. You're not talking about a city or a state you're not talking about even a nation but everybody in Asia guys that's huge that is historic revival right there everybody heard the word of the Lord because of what God did with one local body of believers I mean, how many of you, I I don't know, man, that seems big for me, that seems big for me, but God... Could you possibly still do something like that even in this day and age when darkness prevails on the earth and we so desperately need an awakening of the Word of God and of the people of God, but could it be that if we would position ourselves and say, Lord, would you use us, use me, use Kona, use our church, could it be that God could breathe on this thing and Do the very same thing. I mean, the Bible I read says that the last days would have the greatest outpouring of the Spirit, by the way. Jesus said that we would do greater works than even what He did. And so by my understanding of the Bible, even what we read about in the Bible should be a hint at what God desires to do on a larger scale on this day and age. Oh my goodness. I'm not even through my introduction, I'm already so excited. And so, you look man, God moved in power. This is why we're studying Ephesians, the first chapters. In fact, you look at our graphic right there, and you'll see that there's a guy sitting there. There's a guy walking and there's a guy standing. He's got a cool-looking sword and shield. Now, the the reason that we put this together, I did this all intentionally, is um, you'll notice in the first three chapters of Ephesians, it talks continually about what it is to be seated with Christ or to be seated in Christ. Uh, You'll see that phrase used constantly talking about our position and our authority and our inheritance. Who are we in Christ Jesus? Why Do we believe we can lay hands on sick people and see them recover? Or speak to mental illness and see them made whole? Why do we believe that God would give us favor in the workplace? Or we pray, God, give us our city. Why do we believe for those kinds of things? Well, it's all wrapped up in our inheritance. If Jesus is able to do those things, and I am seated with and in Christ in heavenly places, that means that I have the same position and authority that Jesus does. In chapter two, you'll see that, uh, I'm sorry, in chapter four, then there is a, a shift and you'll see the, the walking man there. And it's because uh, the Bible then begins to talk about walking in love and walking in light and walking in wisdom and walking out your marriage. And last week we talked about what it is to walk as a faithful worker on behalf of the Lord. And so we've talked about what it is to actually walk out and and, and to do life on a practical level. By the way, this entire series is on on YouTube. You can find it all. Just search our church, search my name, and you can see all of these messages. But in chapter 6, now this is where it really begins to get interesting. And you'll see the man there standing. And I want to make this very clear. I'm not just talking about, okay, we understand our identity, and now we're walking out our life, now I'm married and I got a great job and I'm raising my kids right now, I can just stand around. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to stand victorious in the midst of an evil day. I'm talking about being able to stand strong, even when there's an enemy of your souls gunning for you, you're going to stand invincible you're going to stand impervious you're going to stand untarnished as we stand strong in the Lord in fact he says be strong in the power of his might how we're going to put on the armor of God and it says you'll be able to stand strong everybody say stand strong strong. you're going to stand strong against the wiles of the devil now that's an interesting word what in the world is wiles? I mean, schemes. It's uh, He's scheming over your life. Now, I'm really not going to try and freak you out today, okay? But do you understand that Satan is scheming over your life? He's scheming over your, like, how can I derail these guys? How can I, how can I frustrate them? How can I make their kids backslide? How can I, how can I ruin their marriage? How can I divide their church? And the devil's just, he's scheming and he's he, he's constantly intentional uh, about this. And, and we're not gonna be ignorant to his wiles. The Bible says, John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in you. may have it more abundantly do you know that God wants you to experience abundant life that's what I want to walk into that's what I want to live out God's abundance we're going to see a mighty revival but I'm just telling you anything that is worth having be it revival or a thriving marriage or a a wonderful work relationship uh, whatever it may be a, a, a strong church there's gonna be some fights over it there's gonna be pushback there's gonna be a contending to see the the move of God but we're gonna expose the works of the devil today and it's a it's a wonderful thing so let me just show you what the Bible says I've got this in the in the notes online here you understand the devil is not some horned figure in hell holding his pitchfork waiting for people to come down so he can poke at them you do know that right Look at what the Bible says. The Bible actually calls him the anointed cherub in Ezekiel twenty-eight fourteen. He's an angel. The Bible says there's even times where he'll disguise himself as an angel of light. That means if you're waiting for some hideous, horrifying-looking figure, and, oh, that's the devil, you know, I know it. No, you're probably going to be deceived. The devil comes as something that's appealing and something that's wonderful. In fact, I was hearing a pastor tell a story recently about a man who had sold his soul to Satan. And the reason that he did this is he had a face-to-face encounter with the devil. And he said when he looked into the eyes of Satan, he saw the purest, most inviting love that he had ever seen in his life. And it was something that said, I want to be a part of this. And all of a sudden, he sells his soul to the devil. All of a sudden, all of this money and all of this favor and all of the relationships that he could ever desire starts coming his way. But how many know the devil never gives without Asking there's always a cost. And, and the reason that the pastor was even sharing this story is he had become horribly, horribly demonized, oppressed in his physical body and oppressed in his mind and, and was desperately seeking a way out. Didn't matter the money or the women or whatever he could have. he wanted freedom. and he needed Jesus. And that's what I love about you. You, you know that Jesus, there's no strings attached. There's no cost. We don't have a price to pay because the Bible says he paid the price. He shed his blood. He made a provision. That's the difference between our God and the God of this world. In fact, the Bible calls the devil the ruler of demons in Luke eleven fifteen. 15. calls him the ruler of the world. The devil's not in hell today, you understand. The Bible, that's what Jesus called him in Luke, uh, John 12, 31. He called them the ruler of the world. Second Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world. And we've read earlier in, in Ephesians that he's the prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians 2, 2, he's active. How? What does he do? He perverts and twists God's word. Matthew 4, 6, he tried to do that with Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. He's actively fighting against the people of God, 1 Thessalonians 2. He's confusing the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4. He's dominating the world by His power. That's a a big one right there. 1 John 5.19 says the entire world lays under the sway or the influence of the wicked one. You understand that the world is not like generally influenced by God. God is influencing through the kingdom of God that is extending through the people of God upon the earth. But the world lays under the sway of the devil. This is why I don't, I, I mean I, I have a problem in my heart, but I don't have a problem with the, the theology of why bad things are going on in the world. I don't wonder why there's starving children or why there's sex slavery. I don't, I don't, that stuff doesn't like confuse me. God, what's going on? Because I understand God is not ruling most of the world today, friend. The world is under the sway of the wicked one. And I'm not saying this to freak you out or or anything, but this lays upon us such an importance. Why is the kingdom of God so important? Why is it so important for the people of God to be who God has called us to be? Because if we are not, then everybody will live and die under the sway of the wicked one without even an opportunity to have those blinders removed from their life. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And the Bible continues. It talks about how the framework works. uh, Principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. What we call the hierarchy of evil. What I want you to understand is it's not just some chaotic plan that's going on. The devil is intentional. And he is organized in the way that he's operating. I mean, have you ever noticed that you can fly into a different state? You can even drive into a different city, a uh, different town right here on the big island. Or you go to different nations of the world and it feels different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can even within the islands here, you could think, well, it's just because the architecture's different or because, you know, they got different fuel or something. No, it's not that. You can go to a different place on this island. You can go from home to home and notice that the atmosphere is different. You ever walk into a house and you just feel peace feel the love of God in this place and I don't even know if these people are Christians or not but you just you have a sense there's something something peaceful about this home At the same time you can walk into a home and you can feel you ever walk into a house and know these guys were fighting right before we got here why I, I want you to think about this friend we have moments where we pray and we know that the heavenly realm just made itself manifest in the natural world. When we worship, there's moments where we have this sense: wow, God is in the place. You know, you, you might get goosebumps, you might, you might feel something stir up on the inside of you, faith arise, or man, I just I feel energized, or whatever it is. We we all have those moments where we know, wow, God has just come into this place. Have you ever thought for a moment that when you feel tension in your home, when you're fighting against somebody, when your heart is offended at somebody, have you ever paused to think that the very same way God can come into the natural realm through the Spirit, the very same way the enemy at times will come out of the Spirit world and move into the natural I mean, we don't think this way very often, friend. This is why I prayed at the beginning. God, open our eyes. This is what He prayed in, in Ephesians 1. He said, enlighten the eyes. Open the eyes of my understanding that I can see You, God. We need to see in the Spirit. We need to discern. We were, we were messi- messaging a, a pastor and his wife and uh, they were you know really going through what we recognized immediately was spiritual warfare was an attack on their family my wife shares that and she's like I didn't even think about that And I'm just like you see night terrors you know your husband is 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 ministering in this capacity and it doesn't even occur that this is spiritual in nature and I said you know I sometimes I come and you know and I try and 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 do things you know real polished and nice but man if, if I can do anything today I want to open your eyes to the reality there's more that's going on in this life than what we see around us. God is real. He's living and active. He is powerful and we can stand under the covering of His wings. But there is a real enemy of our souls and He is scheming over you. He has fiery darts that He intends to strike you and your family, your marriage, your finances. There's so many areas that He is going for, even to operate through the church at times. It's very important. In fact, uh, just looking again, uh, Ephesians 6.10, I read this verse already, but in the Passion, I like the way it reads. It says, my beloved ones, I saved these most important truths for last. You understand the whole seated with Christ, it's important. Walking out our life with Christ is important. But Paul said, I have saved the most important thing for last. This is the most important thing, church understanding God and the reality of who he is and Satan in the reality of who he is and how we as the people of God are to respond in the midst of this you say pastor are you trying to scare me maybe a little bit I, I want you to I-, I want your eyes let me sh- share with you a couple stories okay I um. I, I loved and I was encouraged early on I-, I began to read the the works of Smith Wigglesworth and I you know we did a teaching on his healing ministry just a few weeks ago And one of the things that was interesting is Smith was sharing that on one occasion he was having a nightmare. And he woke up in the middle of the night and he sensed that there was darkness present in his room. And so he sits up in his bed and standing at the foot of his bed is Satan himself. Physical incarnate right there standing at the foot of his bed he looks at satan and this is what smith says oh it's only you he lays back down and he goes back into peaceful sleep now that's that's a man who knows his position in christ that's a man who's got his armor on hallelujah i want to be like that personally but there's a whole other side to this there was a Time, in fact, you've maybe been seeing Haiti in the news, and it's interesting. My wife and I, you know, I look at our memories on uh, on hop and Facebook and stuff, and I, I I noticed ten years ago today we were in Haiti this week, and I was remembering as as we were sitting with the missionary, as as a missionary, uh, her father had started a what they call northwest haiti christian mission it's the largest christian outreach there in haiti has been there for many years and the daughter now today leads the ministry and so we were having a conversation with the daughter and she was sharing the reality of the warfare that goes on in haiti and one of the stories i, I never forget she shares about how when they uh, had just finished building their missionary base right there in port-au-prince the capital um they were there were a bunch of witch doctors and, and voodoo, you know, practicers who came to resist what they were doing. And so they had all their chicken bones and their guts and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, and they start doing their chants and, uh, you know, all their incantations, and they end up lining the driveway, the only driveway in and out of the, uh, the missions complex, they begin to line it with these chicken bones and guts and all this kind of stuff. And uh, some of the the locals there were very very concerned, and they go to the missionary and and just like this is a horrible thing. What in the world are we gonna do? Now he had a moment where it's just like kind of this this arrogant thing popped up on the inside of him. It's like what what's the big deal about this? This is nothing, and let me prove it to you. This guy gets in his truck. And he goes and he pulls down to where the the chicken bones and all of this. And he's like, I'm going to show you that there's no power in any of these incantations and this voodoo and all of these practices. And he takes his truck and he drives over the bones and then back and back and forth and back and forth about a dozen times. And the people are just standing there watching him, kind of shocked that he would have the the boldness or whatever to, to do this. He gets out of the truck. And within 15 minutes has a massive stroke. Has a stroke. They end up flying him emergency to Orlando where he was for about the next six months receiving care and administration. All of the locals were convinced that he was dead. And they, people were just lying to him. No, he's not alive. No, he's dead. And, and, uh, you know, but he did. He made a full recovery. God was gracious. But it just begins to open your eyes. This is real, friend. This is real. And I do not ever want to operate out of arrogance or pride or even presumption. This is why we haven't gone to high places. There's hails that still stand here in these islands. And yes, they were erected to to pagan deities, but we're not going to, to tear these things down unless the Lord would give us an assignment to do so. Why? Because we're not going to step beyond what the Lord has asked us to do. We're going to remain seated in Christ. in what His assignment for our life is, we know that we're covered. When you say, well, how do we strike a balance between these things? Well, that's exactly what we're dealing with today. I want to operate personally. I want to be in that Wigglesworth position. I want to know that I'm so in the center of God's will and doing what He's asked us to do that uh, there's nothing that can come upon me and at the same time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna operate in some arrogance or something just you know presumption whatever Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stand strong and here's what I do as we come to this important part of our text what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you two today Uh, I think that's all we're gonna have time for is I'm gonna give you two pieces of armor and it's very important church I don't want you walking out of here afraid okay The devil's out there, he's scheming over my life. Pastor said that, that's true. But you can stand strong. You can stand victorious against the attacks of the enemy. And so here's the first one. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may withstand in the evil day. um, uh, And having done all to stand. And then it says, uh, oh, I wrote down the wrong verse there. Um, It says that we are to take the, uh, we are to gird up. Let me just open it up here in my Bible. This technology is messing me up now. Ephesians 6. And where is it? Verse 14. Stand therefore. Everybody say stand. stand. Having girded your waist with truth. That's the first one. We are going to gird our waist with truth. Well, what in the word world is that? To gird up. Now, here's what's, you know, it's, it's a really simple picture. You understand in this day, most of these guys were wearing cloaks. Uh, you know, they had a, you know, what looks more like a dress. We've all seen Bible productions and, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. And so we know. And so what would happen is when it was time to go to war, they would actually take up and they would roll up their cloak and they. Would tuck it into their belt, and so you see these cool guys that got their shirts tucked into their belts. So that comes from the Bible, actually. I started there, um, and so they they would gird up. That's what it means to gird up their loins. They would literally gird up so that they would have the mobility to move and to to run and to fight and to do all of those things. And this is what we're doing. It's time to get. Focus this time to get serious that's what the the, the, the essence of this message is in 1st Peter 1 13 it says gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end of grace that uh, be brought upon you at the revelation of Jesus Christ we're gonna we're not gonna have loose ends in our mind just going off random places no we're gonna get focused we're gonna we're gonna have focus in our mind and our thought process Matthew 7, 24, Jesus begins to talk about truth. He's actually finished talking about people that are going to stand before Him one day, believing that they're going to make it into heaven only to find out, I never knew you. Depart from me. And this is what He says. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock, rains descend, flood came, winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall it was founded on the rock everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand rains descend floods come winds blow beat that house and it fell and great was its fall you catch this you hear the word but we need to do the word we hear the word. You can listen to preaching all day, but if we do not act upon the word, then we're, we're setting ourselves up for a great fall, the Bible says. This is what it is to gird up. I, I mean, I just, I, you just imagine that what's going on today. You know what I'm doing today? As the truth of God's word is being preached, it's like I'm handing out belts. I'm handing out belts. But if you don't put on your belt... If you don't tuck in your cloak and gird up, that means you're actually applying the truth that you hear and you receive. Your pants are gonna fall down, friend. Are you hearing me today? I mean, this is the reality. I I saw I think it was a meme, I don't know, or my wife sent me something, you know, when you're walking around and your belt loop gets hung up on a door handle. Is God telling you to stop being petty, right? Anybody ever have this? I actually worked that into my sermon, and then I was walking in the closet yesterday, and that exact thing happened to me, my belt loop got, And so I'm like, I don't know if you're making fun of me, God, or if this is a confirmation that this is the right word. To, but that's, this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord does. He, he's tying things together. It's the truth. It's the truth that's gonna that's gonna hold our mind gird up the loins of your mind jesus said i am the way i am the truth i am the life no one comes to the father except through me jesus is truth he said the spirit of god is the spirit of truth and so we're going to hear the word guys. i i have a, a, a prejudice because i am a preacher but you know the preaching of the word is very important this is, this is the truth that's going to hold our life together. This is why I'll preach through an entire book of the Bible. There's sections of Scripture that I'm uncomfortable talking about, but I will. Because I want to be like Paul who said, I've not withheld anything. I've preached to you the whole counsel of God. So we'll talk about righteousness. We'll talk about blessing. We'll talk about sin. We'll talk about the devil. I actually get excited talking about this kind of stuff if you can't tell. I love it. So we're going to read our Bible. We're going to stay in church. I was listening to Michael Kulianos the other day, and he was rebuking his church for all these guys who would come in for worship and they would leave when it was time for the preaching. Stop doing that. You know? And I praise God. I don't, I don't see people doing that in our church. But uh, listen, man, I love good worship. I love getting tickled by the Holy Ghost in a prayer time. I love that kind of stuff. And I know sometimes, sometimes preaching is boring. I get that, man. But if we understand that this is life this is truth this is this is, my salvation is based on me hearing and receiving the truth of God's word it's your belt friend and if you don't want to get caught up in the world put your belt on here's the last one and uh and and I'm I'm closing with this we're going to look at our our body armor the ble- breastplate the breastplate of righteousness now this is a a pretty simple one. you know Jesus is your righteousness. This is very simple. Jesus is your righteousness. that's your starting point. but what's what's interesting is the Bible then begins to talk about uh, what we call sanctification. This is our process of being made what Jesus has declared us to be. There's a time where, yes you're a sinner you get saved by grace and guess what your life is still pretty sinful but god's righteousness has been applied to your life and that's a wonderful place we all start there but there's also this process by which god begins to show us the areas of our life that we need work in we need work in and it's just like you know we've got at least one sailor in the room, uh, Jonathan, he likes to, you know, uh, ride boat, and, and I've gone out a number of times. In shipping terms, they will often talk about the integrity of a boat. Are you, you aware of this? The integrity of the boat. I mean, there's moments where you may be going, and there's a crack in the hull of the boat. And if there's a crack or if there's a hole, that ship is not worth taking out to sea. There's a process then where you are beginning to patch or you're beginning to mend, you're beginning to fix up that boat or it's going to sink. And this is exactly what our walk with the Lord is. Jesus has declared you to be righteous when you receive him as your Lord and as your Savior. But then there's this process that God begins to go over your life and say, there's a crack right here. Here's a hole we need to deal with. If you don't take care of this, you will sink. And then it goes on, he talks about the, the armor of God, and this is the illustration that, that literally there's, there's people walking around with cracks in their armor and holes in their armor. And you may think, man, I'm, I'm good. I've got my breastplate on, it says Jesus on it, and I look good. But what people don't realize is you've got holes in areas of integrity. You know, I, I, spent, a lot, I, I spent the first year... And I was beginning to walk after the Lord, still smoking weed like a chimney. I had a gaping hole in my armor. Even though I wanted to serve the Lord, I wanted to go after Jesus. I, I had this gaping hole in my armor. And all it took was one well-placed, fiery dart from the enemy. And all of a sudden, I get a DUI. And I get fired from a job. And I lose a scholarship opportunity. And all of a sudden, my life was derailed because I did not have integrity friend we need to we need to simply ask the lord lord what are the areas of my life where i'm exposed what are the areas of my life that you need to help patch up that i need healing that i need wholeness could i get my worship to come i I'm going to close, and we're going to pray. We need, we need the Lord to help us. Amen? We need the Lord to help us with this. I was reading last night about the Great Wall of China. It's very impressive. Did you know that the Great Wall of China is over 13,000 miles long? 13,000 miles. For perspective, the U.S.-Mexico border is only one thousand nine hundred miles. This is almost, almost, uh, almost five times longer than what uh, what our border is. It's huge. It's massive. And they built this wall, and it's so tall nobody could climb over it. It's so wide you can't break through it. You can't you can't work through it. And uh, they finished building this this great wall and uh when it's done he's like china man they just sit back and like man we're protected now nobody can invade us did you know that in the first hundred years of the great wall of china being built china was successfully invaded three times three times genghis khan he came they would barely finished this thing it's like 40 years after they'd finished this great wall And Genghis Khan was able to lead his armies in and begin to ravish China. And the way that he did that, he went to the doorkeepers, the gatekeepers. And he said, I'll pay you this much money if you'll let me and my armies through. Began to build this relationship with them, and eventually they let him right in. He went after their integrity. I can bribe this guy compromise their entire nation we're gonna ask the Lord to help us we're gonna ask the Lord to help us friend I'm gonna go back to what I said at the beginning there is a real enemy of our souls the Lord desires for us to stand victorious in this evil day we're gonna do that we're gonna take the truth of God's Word We're going to receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and He's going to help us to live a life that honors Him. Come on, would you just stand all across this room right now? And I just want you to begin to invite Jesus. Begin to invite the Spirit of truth to come and to speak to your life. To begin to change and transform you. The Lord doesn't want you to struggle. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants to show you the areas of your life where your armor is exposed. Help us, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We ask you to help us to come near. We ask you to be our our Savior and our our victory to be our help in time of trouble. God, I ask the spirit of wisdom and revelation begin to open our eyes to what's going on around us. Lord, let us see you and your victory. Let us see the reality of the enemy and what he desires to do. His schemes over our life, his fiery darts that he would attempt to to wipe us out, to take us out. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Come on, just ask him to help you right now. Just ask him to help you. If you've got compromise in your life, if you've got sin in your life, it's as simple as asking Jesus to wash you and to forgive you, to cleanse you by his precious blood. He wants to give you his righteousness and he will right now. If you would ask him, you'll just ask him. Come on, right out loud, just begin to talk to Jesus. Oh, we ask you, Lord. We ask you, Lord. Wash us and cleanse us. Make us whole. Let there be no gap, no compromise in our armor. We will stand strong. We will stand strong. Oh, by your might and by your power, oh, Lord. Come, oh, come, oh, Lord. Come, oh, Lord. Help us. Help us. Come on, have we got something to sing? For you are worthy of it all. Come on, just worship him right now. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. want you to put your hand over your heart right now, right where you're at. Jesus, I I ask that you would apply to each and every one of our lives your precious blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We stand on the truth of your word, and Lord, we understand that the devil has been defeated. We understand that you are victorious because of your great victory on the cross. You have put the enemy to open shame. And Lord I'm asking that your victory would be our victory your strength would be our strength your power would be our power as your word encourages us be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might we will put on the armor of God we will take the truth of your word we will receive the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus and so Lord I'm asking touch our lives strengthen us and God I pray even right now There are people within the sound of my voice that somehow the arrows of the enemy have struck their life. They've struck their heart and they're walking, they're wounded. And Lord, I'm asking that even today you would dislodge the arrows of the enemy and that you would bring healing to every life in the mighty name of Jesus. I command the hand of the enemy to loose the people of God and to let them go the influence and the sway. Lord, Your Word says that the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But we understand that those who are in You, Jesus, have been set free. And so, Lord, I'm asking that even as we come into Your kingdom, we're no longer under the sway of the wicked one. We are under the influence. We're under the authority and the power of of Jesus. And so, Lord, we release now Your liberty. We ask You, Lord, to touch Your sons and Your daughters move and minister in each and every one of us let us be seated in victory and we will stand strong in the midst of an evil day we thank you for your victory and we give you praise honor and glory oh in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus come on give God praise right now hallelujah well let me speak a blessing over you can you just lift your hands all across this room today i speak the blessing of god over you in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ as abraham was blessed in every way may god bless you in every detail of your life as god blessed jacob changing his name to israel may your name christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously, just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor god with your tithe may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area may the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed as you wait on the lord obey his word and seek him above all else may the blessing of strength courage protection and favor be your reward may the lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen.